podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining me today. Very excited about this show. Very, very excited. We are wrapping up the Women's College World Series. We are wrapping up the collegiate softball season. Chase A. Kitty going to join me. We're going to recap the Women's College World Series. We're going to talk about it, talk about some of the problems that were brought to light this year as the sport continues to grow. And this was the most watched Women's College World Series ever. It was amazing television. It was amazing drama. So many good stories. Oklahoma was your winner and had to take literally the longest friggin' path possible to get to that point. But awesome, awesome event. We're going to talk about it, recap it, talk about our qualms, our complaints, the argument I got into with Sarah Spain of ESPN. Before we get to that, I want to talk about the college football playoff expansion because it's coming and we haven't talked about it yet. And I, and I do think it's something I want to discuss. And I know everybody else has. But just in case this is your first time hearing about it because you woke up from a coma and my podcast is the first one you decided to listen to, the College Football Playoffs Management Committee is going to consider expanding the playoff to a 12-team format this coming week in Chicago. It's very likely we're going to have a 12-team playoff. We're going to go from 4 to 12. And, and, and look, I like 12 over 8. I do. I like 12 over 8. It's not perfect, but I like it much better. The top six ranked conference champions and six at-large teams will get in. I like it that way. That does set you up for more benefit for the G5, and I think they deserve more benefit. Because guess what? Sometimes the Mountain West champ and the American champ are better than the Pac-12 champ. They just are. So the top six ranked conference champions and six at-larges. First four games we held on campus sites. The quarters, semis, and championship game will held at bowl games. I hate that the quarters being held at bowl games. I hate it. I hate the cronyism of that bullshit. I hate it. The first four and the quarters should be held on college campuses. The top four teams already get a benefit of a bye. They should get the benefit of a home game in their first game as well. By the way, the top four ranked teams get a bye, in case you weren't aware. Also, Notre Dame, the best they can do is a five seed. I want to consider that whole, like, not being in a conference thing, but I understand why they won't. Part of their DNA. This 12-team thing is awesome. I love it. Every conference in the Power Five is going to get a team in. And I think the Big 12 is good enough on a regular basis to get two. The SEC is already getting two some years. They're probably going to get four in years. It's going to drive you crazy when a third of it is is the SEC. The champ, the runner-up, and two other teams are going to get in. The Big Ten is going to get their team in every year. Uh, they might get their second-place team. The Pac-12 will get one, unless some crazy things start happening. Um, the ACC will get Clemson and maybe the second-place team, but the problem is a lot of time that the second-place team isn't very good. The Big 12 will get whoever wins the Big 12, and I think the second-place team will get in a lot. And here's why I think that's important. Here's why that matters. Right now, when we talk about the college football playoff, we dog the four seed. We ridicule them. I say we. The media rips them apart. Look how embarrassing this was. They didn't even deserve to be there. How embarrassing they got. That's what sucks the most about the playoff to me. It's not the fact that we see the same teams every year. It's that that's the fourth best team in the country. Well, this other team should have been the fourth best team. They had deserved the right to get cream puffed in the opening game against Alabama or Clemson. Really? We're going to make fun of a team for that? I want the playoff to be something that we is so awesome you get to make. 
We put so much pressure on it. We talk about it so much. It becomes such a big deal, and we dog the fourth-place team every year. How embarrassing is that? Just making the NCAA tournament in March Madness is awesome. Making it to the Women's College World Series, making it to the Final Eight, making it to the College World Series, making those top eight is awesome. We're going to have 12 teams. Making the playoff is now going to be what making a BCS game used to be. It used to be a big deal. You didn't make the national championship. That's fine. You're in a BCS game. You are excited. When Oklahoma State made the Fiesta Bowl against Stanford, it was awesome. When Kansas made the Orange Bowl against Virginia Tech, it was awesome. We loved that stuff. That is what the playoff is now going to be. Being in that playoff, period. I don't care if you're 9, 10, 11, 12. I don't care. You are going to be so excited to be there. And we're going to praise you for making it. There's going to always be quibbling over, well, this team should have, blah, blah, blah. That's the fun of college sports. But you're going to be excited to just be there. Well, they're never going to have a shot at the national championship. Don't care. The four seed does it now. But you get the opportunity to play a game that you might win. Can you imagine saying, we want a playoff game? That matters. And now, 12 teams have the opportunity to do it. Not four. 12 teams realistically have the opportunity to do it. Not just two or three. Because right now, it's two, maybe three. It's going to be 12 have the opportunity to win a game in the playoff. You think that wouldn't matter to Iowa State, to Oklahoma State, to TCU, to Texas Tech, to Kansas State, to Virginia Tech, to Arkansas, to Colorado, to Utah? Just go down the list of teams that might have a great year and actually be rewarded for it. And then we treat them like they are a a good team because they won 11 games in a historic season and get to have a reward for it other than just going to a bowl game that no one cares about. You are now going to be rewarded potentially. And I love it. And the Big 12 is going to get two teams in most years. I honestly believe that. The champ's going to get in, and another team is. And here's why that's so exciting for me. Think about the last four years. What do we talk about on this podcast all the time? Since the Big 12 reinstated the, the Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma has faced a different team every year. TCU, Texas, Baylor, and Iowa State. Imagine the 12-team playoff existed. Imagine all four of those teams made the playoff. I don't care for the 12th seed. Imagine all those four different teams getting a shot at the playoff. How fun is that for those fan bases? Yeah, 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 Texas jokes. Ha, 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 ha. Baylor, Iowa State, Iowa State making the playoff. Iowa State having the season they had last year and actually getting in the playoff because it welcomes more than four teams. I love that. Eight teams. It's not going to help you. It's not going to get those teams in. 12 does. Because now there's real opportunity. And if you think that doesn't matter, you think being the 12 seed against the 5, no one cares, yeah, there's going to be blowouts. People, oh, there's going to be so many blowouts. There's already blowouts. Who cares? It's more good football. And it's more good football we're going to care about and it's going to matter. And there's not always going to be blowouts. And there's going to be legitimate shots for real upsets. Real upsets. Not Ohio State upsetting Alabama. That's the 4 versus the 1. Real freaking upsets. 12 versus 5. Cincinnati beating a Georgia. Iowa State playing Florida, a Florida that cares and wins. I want that in my life, and I think you do too. And here's the other argument that drives me crazy. This is going to devalue the regular season. Nick, I'll be blunt. I was wrong. When the college football playoff began, the 14 playoff began, there was certain people saying it's going to ruin the college regular season. It's going to ruin the no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It did. Because too many games don't matter. Conferences, entire conferences are written out of the conversation for mattering by the national sports media because they're not going to get a team in the playoff. It'll matter. That's how much 
pressure has been put on the playoff. That's how much importance has been put on the playoff. That's how much, just how high of a bar it's been raised to. You, we're not putting that back in the bottle. It's not going backwards. It's not going to change. The genie is out. Pandora's box is open. It's not going backwards. So that's going to continue to be that way. So if you grow it to 12, guess what? Now it's that important and more teams get an opportunity. But guess what? This isn't going to hurt the regular season. There are going to be games that are not as important now or then as they are now. There's not. They're not going to have the groundbreaking impact they do right now. The Georgia-Clemson game that we have to open the 2021 season is huge. Whoever wins that, those are two teams who people think can make the playoff and win the national championship game this year. Whoever wins that is sitting in the driver's seat for a playoff berth. They got a win no one else is going to have on that schedule. That game doesn't, doesn't, some of that shine comes off for a 12-team playoff. Some of it comes off. They're both going to get in now. There's no question. They're both going to get in, pretty much. But there's so, but for, for every one of those games that loses some luster and doesn't matter quite as much, there are dozens of games that matter more now. Dozens of conference games that matter more. In the Big 12, in the American, in the Pac-12, in the ACC, because suddenly there are more opportunities, more shots to get in there. Now it's not just about getting a shot at Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. Now it's just getting the Big 12 title game probably gets you a seat at the playoff. Not just a shot at Oklahoma. You're probably going to get in the playoff. I love the idea of the American race for their championship game, meaning they're probably going to get in the playoff and be one of the top six teams. That's wild. I love that. So yes, there are going to be some games that don't matter quite as much. But if you think for one minute that college football fans aren't going to sit and watch those marquee games just as rapidly, you're crazy. The importance it will put on games for a national standpoint. Locally, those games matter. Locally, Oklahoma State TCU in week eight matters. But nationally, if it's got a sh- if it's got implications, real implications on who's going to get to the Big 12 title game, which means real implications on who might get to the playoff, that game matters even more now. And I love that. That's good for the Big 12. That's good for football. Because right now, by week eight, conferences are written out. No one's written out anymore. Having a good season will be rewarded with something that people will applaud. And you will have a shot at winning a playoff game. And no one gives a shit if it's the 12-5 or the 6-11, the 7-10. You have a shot at winning a playoff game. I love it. If you want to feel like a winner, might I suggest you go to homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel, official sponsor of the 1012 podcast, produces the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel there is. And Big News Saturday, season two, is up and running and running strong. Notre Dame and LSU. Notre Dame and LSU have kicked things off. That's That ain't just like, you know, a couple of, oh, yeah, cool, an FCS team and a Mac. No, no, no. Notre Dame and LSU. And there are two Big 12 teams coming to, to go to the four they already have. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Texas Tech, and Baylor. I'm pumped for them. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for you to see them. I'm pumped for you to learn who they are. So remember this promo code, 1012, T-E-N-1-2. You're going to get 20% off your first order. Your first order on the most comfortable t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, with the coolest vintage logos around people buy stuff for schools they don't care about and don't even like because the shirts are that amazing people keep saying that it's not even just a running gag if you are on twitter and don't follow homefield apparel you should it is amazing the stuff they're producing so go to homefieldapparel.com 
code in promo code 1012. Get 20% off your first order. All orders of $7 or more get free shipping. It's not hard to spend $70 because you're not going to go buy one thing. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel there is today. All right, Chase A. Kitty coming up. Do us a favor, follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E in the number 12, the word podcast. Follow us on the gram at 1012pod. I will try and do something neat, exclusive, fun on Instagram this week. Got a lot on the books. Got a lot ready to go this week. I'm very excited about it. Very excited about what's going to be coming up over the next few weeks and heading into July, which is going to be a light but interesting month for us. So make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss a single episode of the show. Leave us a rating and review. Five stars, please. Leave us a review because it helps get the word out, and we appreciate it. I'll be happy to read it here on the show. We answer our DMs on all social media platforms, so hit us up. JC Kitty, coming up. Let's get to it. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right, and it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to? on iTunes, on Spotify. Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. So the Women's College World Series has officially wrapped uh, the Oklahoma Sooners, after using the longest route possible, absolutely possible, have mm-hmm. claimed the trophy for the fifth time in program history. So props to the Sooners and props to Patty Gasso, who is, that woman is amazing. And I, there, um, there are, well, let me first say this. Our good friend Chase Kitty, an avid softball fan who has been on our show many times, joining us again to talk about the Women's College World Series just wrapped. Chase, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, Philip. Nice to be here. So there's a difference to me between coaches that give great quotes that make you respect them and great quotes that you can't wait to see everyone rip into them for, right? And the Big 12's had two women coaches of that nature, one that's now currently coaching at a school in the state of Louisiana in a different women's sport. And Patty Gasso, who is more the former of, says things were like, all right, listen to what she says. She's a smart lady. Um, we're going to get to some of the stuff she talked about a little later, but I just, this tournament was fun, frustrating, uh, wild, the most watched women's college world series ever, and had some of the like just there's not a one shining moment for women's college world series but if there should be after what happened this past few weeks i'm curious from your standpoint as a a jmu alum uh and fan and a a fan of college softball what what are your just kind of overview thoughts of, of this year's women's college world series well i would i would start with the broad picture which is uh this uh maybe a short anecdote 
Uh, I, when I got hired to work for Hero Sports full-time in 2018, I was mainly writing about FCS football. But when they brought me on, they knew I was a little bit of a generalist and I could cover some other things. And they, we had sort of a sort of a debrief early on where they said, like, where, you know, we're, we're, we're a journalistic outfit that wants to cover underserved markets. We're doing that with FCS football. Where's the next place you think we should go? And I told them, I am very confident that it's college softball. Like that, that is a, a sport that is poised to explode. And that conversation was about three years ago, almost to the day. So I'm not surprised now that we have this explosive women's college world series edition where it, it just felt like it owned social media for probably nine or 10 days. I mean, I've, I've never seen it. It's done well before it's gotten decent ratings before the sport is growing but this felt a little different. This felt like a sea change. I, I'm curious to, to hear whether or not you saw the same thing that I did. I mean, it just felt bigger. And you're, you know, you're over in Big 12 country. So I, I am not in a, a place that's as naturally softball friendly over here in sort of like ACC country and, and not even like Florida State country. Uh, but it, it's, it's even here, it felt really big. You know, the, the, the Richmond Times Dispatch, which is the paper of record in, in Virginia, is doing, you know, big dominant softball art. Uh, the Washington Post is writing about it, and, and Washington is about as pro sports of a town as you'll find over here. So it just, it, it, it was all over social media. It just felt way different. And that, I think, is the big takeaway for me, even as a JMU alum. Obviously, the JMU stuff is great. But this felt like the tournament we'll probably look back on in, in several years and go, that's where it kind of started to go to another level. I agree. And look, I, I will admit, I have paid more closely to to softball these last few years, probably just the last three, maybe four years. Um, and, and I'll be blunt, part of that was Oklahoma State starting to get good. And sometimes for me, I, will be, I am one of those people who I, I need a team to buy into to buy into a sport. I just, uh, there's too much to keep track of, and it's easier if I have something to root for. And then I will eventually, if I like the sport, grow to love the sport. And I, I, the more I watch softball, my wife plays softball. I've got two daughters. I want them to play softball. The more I watch, the more I'm just like, this is amazing. These games are short. They're exciting. This, they're so much fun. So I, I have, I have become a, a, just a softball fan who is almost also a fan of Oklahoma state. So I really enjoyed what we saw. I mean, Oklahoma State got eliminated, and I'm still watching JMU OU. I'm still watching the the three games of the finale between Oklahoma and Florida State because I thought it was so interesting. You've got an Oklahoma yeah. team that's, and there were so many stories here, and I and I and I kind of wonder if this was just the perfect storm. You didn't have the Women's College World Series last year, so you have like every other sport, you had so much anticipation and excitement for it coming back for fans of it. You had us the, the first time that the stadium had been expanded to add another 4,000 seats. So the, the environment was bigger. You had Oklahoma, right from the very get-go, from the very first game, you have the biggest upset, which we talked about in our little uh, our, our Twitter story. Um, once we figured or, out how it worked. Yeah, once we, once we could figure it out um, or whatever. It's not story. I don't know. Safe place or space or whatever it is. Like you had the biggest upset in women's college softball and one of the biggest upsets, period, when when – unseated JMU knocks off Oklahoma and then you have Odyssey Alexander who's this amazing story they start 2-0 like it was just and then 
you the media is paying attention in part because of JMU and that really fun story. And then you start getting the stories out about all the problems with softball and these things are becoming all this awareness being raised about the issues and it's the handling of it by NCAA, which aligns with all the stuff that we saw with the women's basketball tournament and the women's volleyball tournament. And so it's like all of these things coming together at a perfect time to create this perfect storm to really take the awareness of the sport to a level I've never seen. And and like I've been saying for a while, and lots of people long before I have been saying, have been saying, when you give people access to something that is good, more people are going to pay attention to it. And it, and it always cracks me up with women's sports where it's like, well, nobody cares. Well, does nobody care or does nobody have access to it? Nobody's really aware of what it is. They've just been told for years that nobody cares about women's sports and nobody watches it. So we're all raised and brainwashed in that way. But when you actually sit down and watch it, just like with soccer as a growing popular sport in this country, because, oh, hey, guess what? The games aren't, the matches aren't super long and they're super exciting if you enjoy that. You're seeing these things become popular because we're having access to them. And thus, it's just, it is such a, perfect storm for this year i don't think we'll i think this sport will continue to grow but i think this is a if we were doing on a on a on like a a point graph or a point line this would be a very very large dot on okay let's Mm -hmm. do the timeline if you look in your old grade school history books and they have timelines and there's a ship for this and a castle for this and you have little icons for important moments in history this is a big dot to me is this year's women's college world series is going to be one of the big dots on that timeline map that we draw out for as we talk about the sport over the next however long you I, there's a lot of questions um i could i could shoot off from there i think the first one that comes to mind is you had line graphs with castles on them i don't in grade school that's what that's maybe it was middle school i think it was more like the history come on you know the history timeless i don't know <laughs> they would always have it somewhere and they're like here's this moment in time and this no one has put little weird icons like here's a crown because we're talking about king henry and we can't think of anything else more creative and here's a ship because the mag- a boat sailed mm. here i don't know 10 10 12 podcast you're home for uh for textbook breakdowns eighth grade history lessons <laughs> absolutely hey we like to cover it all so i let's talk about the positives for a minute i do think for those who haven't subscribed to, to Matt Brown's Extra Points newsletter, we've had him on the show. We talk about it all the time because it's a really great thing. He made, uh, he is he's hit a, a a point that gets made a lot that's really interesting to me, and that's schools viewing like, oh, having big moments in sports and having a sports team generates more interest in your university and more awareness and drives people wanting to come to school there. And we've seen moments in time where something interesting happens, and that school sees a raise in enrollment because people have become aware of it. Yep. And I think it's an overstated thing that schools use to justify like, well, we have to have a football team because that's, or a men's basketball team. And really it doesn't actually work for them because they're never any good. And they never have any breaking moments. But for JMU here, I mean, I am aware of James Madison because ESPN game day has gone to, has yep. set up at a couple of, of FCS football games for them. Um, so I was kind of aware of them coming into this, but I wasn't aware of them from the standpoint of, oh, they're really good at softball until I started doing some digging and listening and watching and then talking about, oh, no, the past few years they've been solid. All that leading to say, like, how big was this for, for JMU? Like, they've they've won an FCS national championship, right, in football? They've won two. Yeah. They've won two. They've won two, and they've played in the title game three of the last five years. Okay. 
All of that, I think they've won a lacrosse championship as well. Yep, in 2018. From our conversation. All of that, like, how big was this 2-0 and then just getting as far as they did in the Women's College World Series? Like, how big was that for them compared to, like, everything else? Uh, It was big. I think think there were certain, uh, I don't don't even know what the right word would be. Um, it, It felt like culturally it took off uh, locally here in Virginia. Uh, everybody was talking about it. People were at happy hours talking about it. It was all over the newspapers. It was the talk for like a week the, or like everybody was on the JMU bandwagon and not to get too down the well on like Virginia college sports and everything. But historically you have UVA and you have tech and you're on one of the two sides and there's some other programs that you're vaguely aware of. And so I think when UVA goes on a run, like with men's basketball, or they just won the the men's lacrosse national championship, or they're in the super regional for the baseball tournament right now, or when tech goes on a run and goes to a great bowl game uh, or makes the sweet 16 in men's basketball, like they did a couple years ago. I think oftentimes there's a polarization that comes with that where, you know, 35% of the state hates UVA or hates tech for sports reasons, for other reasons, doesn't matter. It's hard to buy in, I think, when you see a run like that for a lot of the state, a lot of the region. Uh, JMU is kind of a safe middle ground where not a lot of people that have negative opinions about JMU. So when something like this happens, I think the buy-in is massive. But I also think regionally in the mid-Atlantic, people are generally pretty aware of JMU, especially the last five to 10 years sports-wise. It's a very successful athletic department. Pretty much it's, it's smaller and it's focused. Like they have a big budget, but they only field probably 16 or 18 teams, which relative to, you know, power five schools, it's not, you know, that's, that's fewer. So pretty much every team they put out very successful. Uh, People have noticed them. I think so regionally, I'm sure some ground was made. I'm sure some eyes were open, but I think nationally it was probably a bigger deal. Like, Oh, who is this school? I think a lot of people were probably aware of them from game day, like you referenced, but there's probably a lot of people that had never heard of JMU before this run. And I think when you talk about like the model for the engaged institution in sports being the front porch of the university and all of these sort of buzz phrases uh, that you know about, if you really follow college athletics closely or you're an engaged donor with, with whatever school that you went to, this is definitely the best case scenario, right? When UMBC beat UVA, you saw UMBC applications go through the roof. You know, you you saw positive benefits, not just to the athletics department, but to the school. And I'm sure JMU is going to see some of those same things over the next year or two. Uh, But as I think you were alluding to, and as Matt Brown has alluded to, this is the best case scenario. And just because you, you embark with this mission in mind to raise your profile nationally and maybe also regionally, uh, it, it does not necessarily mean that you're going to get here because that's, I mean, th- this is, this is the best, best, best case scenario, right? Yeah. So you asked me a question before and I didn't really answer it. I wanted to about what's the vibe of softball in big 12 country. And I think that's a really interesting question and something I've been kind of poking around trying to figure out and, and just gauging interest from. And, and I think it's one of those things where, you know, football is king, obviously. Men's basketball is, I think, closer to 1A than people actually want to admit uh, because the Big 12 is so good and so competitive. I, I, yeah. I don't think it's a, a number – I don't think it's 
two. Maybe it's a 1B just because football is so big, but I think it's closer to that. But I think softball is higher on the pecking order than people think. I, I would argue baseball is up there because you have so many teams who are typically pretty good. The teams in Texas uh, with Texas Tech and TCU in Texas, Oklahoma State's pretty solid, OU likes to be. But I would argue softball is closer to all of them than people might think it is, partially because there's only like six teams. Right, so you have you have OU, Texas, Oklahoma State, uh, Iowa State, uh, Baylor, and and Kansas are the only ones that field softball. So you only have six teams in the conference, unlike you know like the SEC who's got thirteen. Um, and you know, oh, I forget everybody who's used to who's gone, but there's only six teams, so it's it's smaller. But I'd still think there's a a a fervent softball fan base within the Big 12 between the teams that are consistently good. Oklahoma has a raucous fan base and a they've been good for so long they have a very vocal alumni group of former players who also builds into that Oklahoma State if you get to go out there. I mean they've they've got the whole porch that they've built out around the back of the stadium that is a it's a party every game. I think Texas is is very much that way. Um, and I think there are other teams in the Big 12. It's just the problem for the Big 12 has been OU's been so friggin' dominant, and Texas is usually so good. And you saw a year this year where OU, Texas, and Oklahoma State were so good. It's it's almost become harder for the other teams to to rise up to that level. Like it's you don't have the parity because the top of the conference is so ridiculously dominant. Like I thought Iowa State was really good this year. Um, they didn't beat any of those three teams. Yeah. But they beat some good teams in non-conference, but I think it shows the problem of how top-heavy the Big 12 is. Um, but I do think it's a, it's a like the sport itself, it is growing in popularity. Um, and I think there's, but I think there's three schools that are just, they're so good, but they're also, their fan base is a rabbit about it. And for the Big 12, I mean, this kind of leads off in my whole selection issues of the fact that they still ardently use the RPI, even though everyone knows that it's not the most effective tool. Um, there's a lot of frustration with the selection of, of how this stuff is done. I mean, you got 12 of 13 teams from the SEC got into the postseason, uh, and they were mad they didn't get 13, which is just right comical. <laughs> poor SEC. Poor little, poor little old SEC schools. Um, you had teams who were top eight regional hosts who didn't advance out of their own regional over and, and had significantly more losses than like Oregon, who had to go to Texas and Washington, who I think got the 16 seed. And everyone's like, what's going on here? And I think what's frustrating is in this year, you know, the committee made some comments about, well, there's some splitting hairs and we took a lot of metrics into play. They just went off RPI again. They just flat went off RPI in a year where there were teams who didn't play on conference or played different, different schedules because of COVID. And they still were just like, meh, we'll just go with RPI. The big crux of this conversation you and I are going to have today is is really like the the more eyeballs you get on something, the more people there are that notice the flaws in something, and it's a, it's a the positive. It's going to be scrutinized. Yes, and it's a positive and a negative. It, people get very angry about it, very upset, and they should be. But there's also a certain amount of like when something's going to get popular, you're going to start to find the flaws in the system, and. You can be mad that they weren't fixed beforehand, and there's a validity to that, 
But in, in most things in life, uh, you know, we don't tend to fix things that are broken until someone gets mad about it. That's just how things work anymore. So the positive to me is that, okay, now people are paying attention. We're getting op-eds in Washington Post about the flaws in the Women's College World Series. You're getting Sarah Spain on ESPN going on Outside the Lines doing a whole segment on the issues on Women's College World Series and the way some of these things are done. And I want to get to the the games and themselves but I, I just like the selection part to me is the first part. I'm like, it's the thing getting the least complaining about. But folks, we fixed it. It's better in basketball. It's still not perfect. I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect selection. I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect way to select teams, especially when you're having this many teams in this kind of a situation and disparity across college sports. There's just too many teams to make it perfect. But when we know it's massively flawed, how, like, can we do some when we know this doesn't work? Can we try something, especially in a year like this, where obviously things are going to be a little bit out of whack, but you still went with doing a thing that doesn't work, and it was going to work even less this year, and it was absolutely proven by the way everything worked out. Yeah, I I think the seeding issues, the 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 scheduling or the just the whole bracket in general has been kind of strange for a little while now, and and I do think as you pointed out, now that there's now there's more people with eyes on it, eyes on the product. It's going to get more scrutiny. Uh, and that's a good thing. I don't, I mean, I, I hate to start here cause I don't like making everything about JMU, but I'm just going to do it. Cause it's, it's nonsensical. It's a good talking, it's a good point to use the, the idea that JMU was the third seeded team in their regional suggests to me that nobody watched the team all year. I mean, I get they, they had a great record. It's not like they came out of nowhere. This is not Coastal Carolina football in 2020 where they're like, whoa, Coastal Carolina is awesome this year. Where did that come from? They're good every year. And it's it, it doesn't they had a high RPI. They 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 didn't have the wins, but that was COVID related. I mean, it just it was surprising to me. You mentioned the RPI thing. One thing I I, I thought they one key place I thought they ignored RPI was Delaware was a top 25 RPI team and they didn't get in the field. And I, it's, I don't think you should select teams purely for grow the game reasons. But if you're talking about growing the game, you know, what grows the game, not putting the same 12 sec teams in the field every single year, year after year. That's not the, that's not like a sole reason why you put somebody like Delaware in the field. But Delaware was a good team that probably deserved to be in. And I think the tournament is generally better when you have like quality, non-traditional powers that are in the field and that do grow the game when they're worthy selections. And it, it, it just, it was strange to me, some of the decisions they made. The Georgia thing you and I have talked about previously, the Georgia was a host team. Like, I, part of me wants to give them a pass on all of that because of the COVID stuff, but it's also like, you know what? You guys have a history of showing insane institutional favor to the SEC. Mm -hmm. Like at some point, I don't care about the COVID stuff and the and the pre-approved sites. Like you shouldn't have done that. So there there are I think some systemic issues in terms of how the bracket gets built out that I would like to see addressed. Uh, but I mean, I, I feel like you could say that about a lot of schools. I feel like every year we quibble about who the 68th and 69th best teams are in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. I think the difference there is that's a pretty established product. I don't think we are 
uh, tasked with growing men's basketball uh, <laughs> through the men's basketball tournament. I think that's in a pretty healthy space. I think because of the growth of softball, uh, the, the errors in the field are maybe more magnified because of what the stakes are. Georgia was 34 and 23. Clemson was 44 and eight. Yeah. I mean, I've, and the RPI has Georgia 13th and Clemson 21st. And I understand all schedules are, are created equal, but there's a certain amount of like, there feels like there's some built in, but we always talk about there's an SEC bias. Folks, if you want to know what sport has a true SEC bias, it's soft. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It like, is I, I, I absolutely soft. Non SEC football fans, why don't you take a walk in non SEC softball fan shoes? Because oh. it's, it's a different world in this sport. Like, it's. Meanwhile. It's very real. Georgia reporters and SEC reporters complaining about well, it's not we this the, the women's college world series should move around. It shouldn't just be in Oklahoma City. It's benefiting Oklahoma. And I wanted to just slap every single person who said that nonsense because it was like, I, I'm sorry, you have 13 teams who have play softball. You got 12 in and were imagining you get 13. In what sport anywhere else do you get all 13 of a of an all teams from an entire conference into postseason play. Don't tell me there's not a bias. If you are saying that all 13 teams are so stinking good, they all deserve to be a bull, 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 bull. And you look at the RPI and it's well, the RPI, there's certain, there comes a point where there's a certain level of like self-fulfilling prophecy. It's totally self-confirmation. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know what Georgia uh, fans are going to say? They're going to say, Hey, we still made the women's college board series. We still had to win those games. And they're not necessarily wrong about that. Like, I want to be fair, yeah. but I mean, I, it's just something I've talked about throughout my entire career as a sports writer. Just because you won games in a tournament doesn't mean you deserve to belong there. Like all the way back to VCU, the VCU 2011 men's basketball run was awesome. You cannot tell me they deserve to be in that field. Like, it's awesome they made the final four. I'm going to get run out of the city of Richmond right now for saying this, no. but it, it's true. Like, it's Syracuse, it's Syracuse every year. Is, it's Syracuse New Basketball right. every single year. Every year. They always get in as some low seed. And they always just, make a run to the Sweet 16. I had just blocked that loss out, Philip. Thank you for bringing it back. I'm up. sorry. Right. It's I just, just every, gotten that out of my brain. Every year they get in, it's like, see, we deserve to be there. Like, that's not how that works. That's yeah. not how that works. Just because you win a game when you're there, like, by that logic, Virginia shouldn't have been there when they lost to, like, we can play this both ways. And guess what? Now you look really dumb. So selection aside okay so so there are some problems with the women's college world series and, and a lot of them are brought up of these if you i understand that baseball and softball are two very different sports they're very different sports we don't need to go into how they're different blah 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 if you don't know the difference between baseball and softball just watch one game for both and you you'll figure it out very quickly um but in in reality from a standpoint of you know we talked about how softball is one of the fastest growing sports in in college and it is i mean and that this year's numbers prove it they had the most, the highest viewership ever for this thing. One over 1.2 million people watched on average this whole deal, which is a 10 percent rise. Uh, the championship series on an average per game was like 1.84, which is up what 15 percent from 2019. Mind you, there was no 2020. Like viewership was up, 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 up this year. They, as we said, they expanded yeah, the the tournament or they expanded the, the stadium, added another 4,000 seats. It sold out. the The 2020 tournament got canceled. It was sold out as soon as tickets went on sale before it got canceled. Like that's that's how many people are going to the softball games. 
So you've got viewership up on the Women's College World Series. You had 4,000 seats and it sold out immediately. This grow, sport is growing, and yet we look at the disparage, the differences between baseball and softball, and the ones that we really need to talk about. We can set aside the fact that baseball gets to tout that they have a dinner for all the teams, and they get mas- free massages, and a VIP golfing event, and a parade, and softball's like, well, we got a thing for players and some uh, hors d'oeuvres, so there's that. I'm sorry, I think they just called them like appetizers or small mm-hmm. play. I don't know. Like, literally, there's a, the, the Great Washington Post article if you find it, just Google Women's College World Series Washington Post. It'll be right there. Of like, hey, as somebody asked one of the coaches, "Did you do you guys get massages?" And the response was basically, "Hell no! What? No, no, it would, that would never happen." Yeah. Like that's base level stuff. Then now let's get to the biggest complaint I have on this whole thing. The teams were done a massive disservice by the way the schedule is set up. The College World Series for the men has a maximum of 17 games, just like the Women's College World Series does. The, the, the College World Series is spread out over a 12-day schedule. The Women's College World Series is spread out over seven days. It's a five-day difference. We had Oklahoma State and Florida State playing until 2 a.m. to get a game in because of rain delays. We had the third game, the game that decided who was going to win this event, this crown jewel of women's college softball, was played at 2 o'clock on a Thursday. Central time. Because this is in central time. It's God's country. That's the time we're going to go with. I don't want to hear about your Eastern Standard Time nonsense. Okay. <laughs> when the event's held in your, account, in your area of the country, we'll go by your time. Can I take us down an alley for one second? This hey, is, this head is a, down This there. is a bad interrupt. I think we've really expanded the definition of God's country exponentially <laughs> over the last couple of years. Like, I need a map that shows me what parts of North America are not god's country at this point because from what i could tell it's everywhere from west virginia up to like the yukon and everywhere in between sorry i interrupted no it's okay i i started thinking of individual places start naming as not god's country and i realized that that's just that was going to be a foot and mouth situation so i'm just going <laughs> to skip that joke and go with yeah i know youngstown maybe we'll take a pass on <laughs> sorry sorry youngstown i can think of a few places in arkansas um okay that they would they would not agree, but you know, Harrison, Arkansas. That's just all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say. Texarkana. Oh no, you don't understand. Just Google. I'm sure I don't. Google Harrison, Arkansas. And right now. Do like a, yeah, no, no, no. Like in your free time. Mm, you keep um, talking about softball. I'm gonna report back in about okay. Harrison, Arkansas. Uh, the schedule stuff. We got a lot of things to complain about. The schedule stuff is ridiculous. This is the softball USA Softball Hall of Fame Stadium. What the else do you have uh, have going on that you have to cram this in seven days? And I know this is about TV schedules and deals with ESPN and the NCAA, and we can talk about the NCAA stuff in a minute. But like, this is your most important event. These girls get no rest, no breaks in between. It is a complete disservice to a sport that's growing this fast to put a game on, an elimination game on at 2 a.m. and a final championship game on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, this is so dumb. Figure the schedule. Like the, it's, uh, If you've got to work with ESPN, work with ESPN. Figure it the hell out. But this is ridiculous. I get rain delays happen. Like You build in time to deal with that. I'm not saying if you don't want to go to 12 days because the 12 days for the College World Series is ridiculously long. Like it's too long. It doesn't need that much time to play at all. We're talking about seven ga- days. 
can you put in two days? Can you put in three? Can you make it 10 to play 17 potential? And I get you're not going to play 17 games every year. This was a weird year where they, oh, you literally had to play every single game. But you had two teams from loser from, from day one losers come all the way to the losers bracket to, win, to, to make it to the final, and they played three games. But build the time in. It's okay to give them a rest. I understand. Like I, it, I, For a long time, I was like, well, it's so you give the advantage to the team that won. There's not an advantage to anybody in the way this is set up. There's complete disadvantage to all of those women. Fix the schedule. Build in a couple more days. Two days should do a lot. I don't think that's asking too much to be like, hey, can we make this nine days just to, to do them a favor? Yeah, uh, there are there are a lot of things that were raised that I saw on the internet the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I think uh, you had a short back and forth with Sarah Spain about like the size of the stadium and how many seats it should have. I don't think the stadium needs to have thirty thousand seats. Like I, I don't I don't have a problem. It's at what twelve right now? Thirteen. Thirteen. I don't have a problem Thirteen thousand. Yeah. If you if they want to up it to seventeen, like that's cool too. Like I don't care, but I, I'm not I'm not wasting energy being upset that it's only twelve thousand people for a softball stadium. That's, that seems like a lot of steeds. Uh, for me, I, it's the schedule. It's definitely a schedule. Should they have access to maybe some better facilities? Yeah, probably. But I, I echo everything you said, man. I, I don't, I don't know how you try to squeeze. This is the pinnacle of this sport. College football, like as much as a lot of us love college football, you and me included, the national championship in college football is not the biggest football game in the world. The national championship in men's basketball is not the biggest basketball game in the world. This is the biggest softball game in the world. Like there really is not a bigger, I know that softball is going to be in the Olympics. I would argue that U S college softball is probably a bigger audience than Olympic softball. So you have to have this locked down and, and why you would try to squeeze these games into this many days. I just don't know what the benefit is. And I, I do think this is one of those things that's going to get fixed. So I don't, I don't want to like wax too poetic for too long about it. I feel like the, 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 the wool came off the eyes this year on a couple of different issues. And I think this is one of them. And I think next year ESPN will do a better job recognizing ahead of time hey you know what this has an audience people care about this sport so let's put some time into how it gets scheduled out and we're, we're going to weave it incorrectly between you know the the college baseball regionals and the nba playoff games and all this other stuff we have going on i feel like this is going to be fixed sooner rather than later so yes the scheduling stuff needs to get addressed but i'm confident that it will so yeah you've referenced sarah spain i have um like we said, she had a great uh, like minute-long bit. A bit? That's a terrible word for it. Minute-long segment on Outside the Lines on ESPN. Um, there are no showers at the facility. So they have to, after a game, whereas the men can shower after the game before they go to the hotel, the girls have to get on their bus, go to the hotel before they can clean up or anything. Um, that's an issue. There's no instant replay. That's ridiculous. We have all these TVs. We're watching this event. How do you not have instant replay? Don't be like, well, we can't. Would you like the? All of us at home can see things with instant replay because because the instant replay is there. So the fact that they don't have access to instant replay is dumb. Obviously, the rest days. Now there's the complaints about the stadium. Um, 
there's some things that I, once I did some digging because I got mad and part of my frustration is people complaining about it being in, in the state of Oklahoma and Oklahoma's really good and blah, 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 blah. When it's coming from people from Georgia, I just want to go and slap them in the face and be like, shut up. Like you get to have the SEC championship game in your backyard and you still can't win it. Um, <laughs> uh, but, Alrighty. Yeah, sorry. Um, Specific. I have enough references to make, you know, dagger insults. Um, there's a complaint about the stadium. Look, they didn't have locker rooms until 2011. That was a problem. They didn't have dugout bathrooms until 2014. That was a problem. It's 2021. Um, we just expanded the, the stadium, added another 4,000 seats. Can they hold more? Yes. Do I think you could build a 20,000-seat stadium and probably fill it? Yeah, they probably could. Um, part of that's on the NCAA, and part of that's on Oklahoma City. But I do think more of that's on NCAA. Like, if it's just... Her complaint was that they did a deal with Oklahoma City through 2035, quote, ignoring exponential growth, where's the leverage for expansion and updates? And that's where I get problem is, like, the leverage. Like, we're going to take this from you unless you build us a bigger stadium. The softball, the National Softball Hall of Fame is in Oklahoma City. This is the U.S. Softball Hall of Fame stadium. Oklahoma City has bought in and and cares about this event. Yeah. And you want you just want to send it to what? Like a baseball stadium? Something like, or someone's going to build a facility. Like, I understand there are a lot of problems with this. Can the stadium be bigger and better? Yes. Is that something that should be worked on? And that the NCAA should be working with Oklahoma, the city of Oklahoma City and the state of Oklahoma the whole state should be putting some pride into this thing because it's this crown jewel. Should you be putting more investment into it and helping make that happen? I think you should. Do I think you can add some more seats? I think you can. I think you can work on that. Can you continue to take the notes from this year and make improvements to the stadium and add the things that are being asked for you to add? I think they should. I think it costs money. It's expensive. Um, and if you're the city of Oklahoma City and if you're residents of Oklahoma City and the residents don't care enough, which I think they do, but I, it, there's there's a point where it's like, okay, so the NCAA, it's the whole like leverage thing. Like we're going to take it away from you and send it where? Like it it's... Harrisonburg. Okay. <laughs> like I think there's a point where it's like, it's here for a reason. And I do yeah. think the people, I do think the state of Oklahoma and Oklahoma City cares about having it. Like they do. They absolutely do. I think, I, I just, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you don't do a good enough job. We're going to go somewhere that has lots and lots more money and they'll do this and they'll do it better. And I saw people like, we'll just put it on the West Coast. I'm like, stop. Yeah, I mean, the I mean, with respect to Sarah, the whole leverage argument feels like already knowing something is a problem and then you go in search of the argument. Because it, it doesn't like I, I think I agree with a lot of her overall points. Yes, absolutely. That that I mean, that that seems kind of weak. Like, well, you know, if you if you kept her on a kept them on a shorter contract string, you'd be able to negotiate more aggressively on behalf of the athletes. I don't I don't know that the NCAA and ESPN are known for negotiating harder for athletes in the first place. <laughs> um, but I, I don't I don't know, man. It's that just seems that just seems kind of weak to me, that specific element of it. And I, I think on the whole, like I said, I'm I'm optimistic that like a lot of this is gonna get addressed because there is so much public like, hey, we're we're kind of starting to get into the sport, but we we see this, 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 and this as issues that need to be addressed. I mean, tell me, tell me the sport that has the perfect postseason right now, where there's no issues, no problems are ever brought up. 
There's never an issue with anything. Like that just doesn't really exist. And when you add in the fact that this is a growing sport that naturally is going to go through some growing pains as they try to align the model with the sport, with the athletes, with the growing fans and growing viewership and the TV partners that are going to care more now because there is an increased appetite for it. Like all of these things are going to grow and it's not going to be perfect, but I do think most of these things are going to get, be addressed. So like I said, I, like I, I share a lot of the same opinions, uh, but I do think ultimately like this, not us specifically, not this podcast episode specifically, but in general, these conversations are going to have an effect and they're going to, when you give people awareness and things are more things are brought to light, more pressure is going to be put to do the right thing. And I think there's enough pressure to do so. I'm a little bit on the like, leave OKC alone. And look, I'm from Oklahoma, so I have a little bit of bias. Sure. But like, if I thought they were just doing a poor job or didn't care, like, I would say the same thing, like, move it. But I do think they do. I do think they will continue to try and improve it. And okay, build lock, build, build showers. Build showers. And how many more seeds can we add the next? Three years, four years. Can we add another thousand next year? Can we build in another like? F- figure it out, and I think I think they will. I think the effort will be there if you see enough. Like, hey, it's worth doing this because we're gonna. You say we put four thousand more seats, it sold out immediately. If you're the city of Oklahoma City, hey, that's that's four thousand more people that showed up and spent money here. That's an investment that you can justify now of course that means another bond issue or however you're going to get the money to do that folks that trust me the bond issue stuff paying for things it is it is a lot harder than you think it is so it's really easy to be like you should just buy that it's not it's not exactly easy it's not a quick thing um but if you can quickly show return on investment then there's a justifiable reason to say okay well let's, let's build this out more let's keep spending because it's it's going to keep coming back for us and i think the sport will continue to grow i think this is just a i think this is a peak but i think it'll be better next year and better next year and better next year especially if the sport will allow great stories to continue to happen like with jmu and stop putting every sec team in because no one really cares about your 500 south carolina at 26 and 26 being the third seed in whatever other sec regional because you don't have anyone else to put them what um kind of a more pointed question for you because you're an oklahoma state alum and you're an oklahoma guy like if i i know how good oklahoma the, the sooners are year in and year out but let's say they have a down year and oklahoma is not as good uh, maybe Oklahoma State doesn't make the tournament at all. So, like, you, the, the Oklahoma State schools are out of the mix. Mm-hmm. What do you think the ticket sales are like for that stadium in that particular Women's College World Series? Because, of course, the tournament is popular and it's growing and everything. But, of course, the the lightning-fast sellout is at least somewhat tied to the fact that there are two very loud, very passionate fan bases that are there locally. I think it'll still do well. I think you still have some very fervent fan bases. And this is why I'm not as big on like, we have to hit. Do I think you could sell out 20,000 in a year like this? Yeah. Do I think 20,000 every year? I don't know. Because I, I do think you still have some very ardent fan bases out of the SEC. There are some good SEC fan bases who show up for this stuff, right? Like, I'm not saying they don't. And we saw JMU fans there. Like, there are enough fans of this sport that they're going to fill it up. And I think there are enough fans of the sport mm. who don't have particular school or who just like to go, whether their school makes it or not. I do. I do think there are enough fans of softball, just like something that, fans some... of the NBA who would go to the NBA 
finals, even if their team hasn't made it. It's just a, it's a great thing to go and do. And I think as the sport grows, you get more fans of the sport as opposed to just fans. For me, like I said, I am an Oklahoma State fan. If I lived back in Oklahoma right now and wasn't in central Arkansas with two kids, two and under, and have no money or time, like, I'm going to take my girls. I don't care if OSU's there that year or not. Like, once I feel old enough to take my girls, we're going to go because I think it's going to be a fun experience for them. And I love to just love going to exciting and fun sporting events. The, uh, the, the JMU thing, I mean, you wouldn't know this unless you were a JMU alum. A lot of JMU people in Dallas, actually, believe it or not. I don't really know why. It's a large alum group. They're very well organized, and they all went up there together. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I just, again, I, I think, I don't think selling out a 13,000-seat stadium for a sport like this that's growing in this way that gets eight teams, and you're going to get eight teams who probably have good fan bases because those schools are probably good consistently. Like, I think you're still going to sell tickets, even if the two Oklahoma schools aren't there. That means you probably got two other SEC. Texas is probably there. You know? I mean, if you get no Big 12 schools, maybe. But unless you've got – I mean, you saw fans from Florida State there, and you saw fans from uh, UCLA there, and you saw fans from Alabama there. Like, I, I think softball is a sport who has a fan base who is very loyal to it. And Great that, point. Fan, yep. that fan base is growing and loyalty and, travels. Yes. And I have, I have said a long time, if I opened a business, I would rather have 500 incredibly loyal fan, like customers than 2000. Hey, yeah, we like it because, because the loyalty is going to carry through and they're going to continue to support it because they believe in it and they love it. And I think that is something that softball has, and they're just adding to that each year. I agree. So, uh, this feels like a pretty good, pretty good stopping point, sir. This feels pretty good. Yeah, I've enjoyed this. Go Chase. softball. Yeah, <laughs> I look. I have. I have. I will talk about all these sports on here. I love it. It's fun to do. This is how you help grow stuff. This is the best way I know. I host a podcast. How? What is the best way I can do to support sports that should grow outside of going and paying money to go to the games, which isn't always easy. Talk about it. Put it in front of people. That's the only thing I know how to do. So that's what we're here to do. Chase, this is awesome. Always appreciate you joining the show. Uh, for everybody who wants to talk out the work that you do, where can they do so? Uh, High Motor Podcast. It is the official gambling podcast of BetMGM. Uh, me and Andrew Dowdy from Sports Illustrated, we do a great job, in my opinion. I'm pretty biased. But uh, two episodes a week. We drop them on Monday and Thursday. We've got a ton of really good summer content for you. Not a whole lot of Mount Rushmore bullshit. Like we have legit, like uh, an entire three months of scheduled content. Uh, if you like gambling, definitely come by. But if you just like sports, I think a common misconception about us is that we're just a straight gambling podcast. And that's not necessarily true. Definitely talk about gambling. Uh, I, I give picks out every single episode and uh, they, they do pretty well. But we talk about sports too. So come on by and uh, hope you enjoy it. You guys is one of my favorite shows. It's why I like having you and Dowdy on. I'll be honest, I stole from you because you know what they say imitation is the strongest form of flattery. Uh, you had talked about just like having your actual schedule down. I was like, well, shit, that seems like a really smart thing. Maybe I should actually plot out my entire summer's worth of go. content. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean the benefit for you guys is you have two people so you can stick to your schedule. I bring on guests. Guests don't always stick to schedules. <laughs> so... 
But luckily, Chase here did. So this episode's going up when it's supposed to. Go give High Motor Pod Apollo. It really is good. Go get a subscription. Five stars. Leave a nice review. Chase, again, appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure. And, uh, and we'll do this again soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks, Philip. Podcast Network.